this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Read your Bible, study your Bible, know your Bible, because as you know the scriptures, then when those voices come along and say, no, this is really the gospel, immediately you're like, no, that, that, no that's not the gospel. I know what the gospel is. It's forever etched in my heart and mind through my meditation on the scriptures. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Galatians. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10, in a message titled, No Other Gospel. Now, here's Pastor Brian. The gospel is good, but you got to put the law of Moses together with it in order to make it complete. That's what they were essentially saying. And yet, Paul insists here that the gospel is unalterable. He says in verse 8, but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. It is forever fixed. It cannot be altered. And Paul says that even if we, he's saying, even if I just switch gears suddenly and said, you know what? These Judaizers are right. These guys are right. Yes, we do need. Paul said, let me be accursed. But beyond that, he said, you know, even if an angel were to come and say that this gospel is not complete, you need to add this to it or that to it. Paul said, let them be accursed. And the word accursed here, the word anathema, means let them be under the divine judgment. So that's how serious this matter is. Now, some would say, Wow, Paul is just over the top here with this accursed thing. What is he talking about? I mean, you know, come on. But you see, this is God's gospel. It's not man's gospel. And it's not to be tampered with. We don't, we don't have the freedom to adjust it, to fit with what we're thinking or what people are thinking around us. We, it is unalterable. I mean, we can try to adjust it. We can tamper with it if we want. People do that, but they're under a curse, those who do it. They're under the divine sentence if they do it because God will not tolerate that. And of course, they can tamper with it, but it doesn't change the fact that it is what it is. Now, this brings us to this question. How can we recognize the true gospel? So we've seen what the gospel is. We've seen the centrality of the gospel. We've seen the fact that it is unalterable. But how do we recognize the true gospel? Well, number one, we recognize the true gospel by its substance. And this is what I mean. It is the gospel of grace, of God's free and unmerited favor. That's the gospel. It's, it's God's free gift. It's something that you cannot earn. You cannot work for it. You will never deserve it. It is God's gift. 
And so that's how we know when a gospel is being presented, that's how we know if it's the real gospel. Is it the gospel of the free grace of God? Now, here's something that's, that's just kind of crazy. You would think that preaching God's free grace would be something that you would never really get a whole lot of pushback on. You would think that people would say, well, absolutely, right, that is God's free grace. But history proves that that is not the case. It wasn't the case in Paul's time. Paul's preaching free grace, and, and the false teachers are saying, oh, listen to Paul. Paul is saying, let us do evil that good may come. That's what he's saying. And they're intentionally twisting his words and misinterpreting because, ironically, strangely enough, man resists grace because the, great, the message of free grace is also a message of human sinfulness <laughs> because what free grace is saying is you cannot save yourself and human nature wants to think well no i can or at least i can contribute i you know i do have some goodness in me that i can bring to the table god says no there's there's nothing there you've got nothing and the only way you're going to be saved is if you received this free gift and you know, some people, they don't, they take it like a handout. I don't need a handout. I don't need a handout from God. Really? Actually, you do. You don't want to resist that handout. But, but it's, it, don't you think that's kind of ironic? I mean, it's kind of crazy that you would, like I said, you would think that people go, oh man, the grace of God, thank you, Lord, for this free gift. But, but you get all of this resistance. You get all of this opposition. And, and this is what's, what Paul is experiencing. Much of the persecution that Paul got did not come from the pagans who were involved in idolatry and all the perverted things that go along with that. Much, much of the resistance Paul got was from those who just would not accept that God's gift was a free gift. And that's been true historically. And you know those reformers I mentioned earlier who rediscovered the grace of God that was lost? Did you know that they got pushback? Did you know that they got such severe pushback that some of them were burned at the stake? And they weren't burned at the stake by the pagans in Europe. They were burned at the stake by the leaders of the institutionalized church who said, no grace. We don't wanna hear that message of grace. And so there, there, there's a cost, there's pushback. And, and even to this very day, when you, when you start preaching God's grace and really explaining it the way the New Testament does, you get those kinds of accusations that Paul got, like, hey, that guy over there, he's preaching, let us do evil that good may come. Hey, that guy over there is saying, we got a license to sin. Hey, that guy over there is saying, you know, you can believe in Jesus and do anything you want. All of those are twisted and false statements, but they do serve the purpose of some people. So remember the, the substance. We recognize the gospel because it is a presentation of the free grace of God. Whenever teachers start exalting man, and what I mean by exalting man is, is attributing some sort of goodness in man, exalting man implying that that 
we can contribute anything to our salvation by our own morality, religion, philosophy, or respectability, it, whenever that happens, the gospel of grace is being reversed. It's being undone. It's being destroyed. So this is the first test. The true gospel magnifies the grace of God. Secondly, the source of the gospel. The true gospel is the gospel of the apostles of Jesus Christ. In other words, the New Testament gospel. That is to say, the norm, the criterion by which all systems and opinions are to be tested is the primitive gospel, the gospel which the apostles preached and is now recorded in the New Testament. So how do I know it's a true gospel? It's the gospel that's written in the pages of the New Testament. And that's our source. Like we have already said, it's an unalterable gospel. And the Lord Jesus proclaimed it and he imparted it to his apostles and he gave them that inspiration to pen this and it is etched, I was gonna say etched in stone, but it's etched in more than stone because stone will perish. It is imperishable. It, this, is, this is it, but, but it, we can read it in the pages of our New Testament. So any system other than or contrary to or at variance with the apostolic gospel is to be rejected. And so this is the second fundamental test. Anybody who rejects the apostolic gospel, no matter who they may be, they are themselves to be rejected. So that's how we know. We know, this, we know because of the source. It's, it's in the pages of scripture. Now, in that last portion there, I'm, I was actually quoting from John Stott. John Stott was a, was a well-known evangelical leader. He was um, connected his entire life to the, the Church of England. So what I, what I wanna read from him here, I want you to understand that he's writing it from his, his own context as a, as a member and as a, a, a leader in the Church of England. But it, it has application to us. So he says this. He says, speaking of, of you know, that person who's coming with a, a message that's at variance to the, the biblical revelation in the New Testament, he says, he may appear as an angel from heaven. We're not to be dazzled as many people by the person, gifts, or office of teachers in the church. He says, they come to us with great dignity, authority, and scholarship. They may be bishops or archbishops, university professors, or even the Pope himself. But if they bring a gospel other than the gospel preached by the apostles and recorded in the New Testament, they are to be rejected. Now, you see, of course, this is what happens, and this is what's happening even in our culture today. People come along, and they've got, they're, they're recognized as some sort of authority, you know, they have some credential that people look at and say, oh, wow, that guy's a, he's a university professor. He's a THD or a PhD. Or he's a, he's a person in, in, in the church. You know, his context would be bishops and archbishops. And, and, and in his personal context, and in the context of others who have more that kind of a church government or structure, you have people who are in high positions who will come and they will contradict the gospel 
and people will buy into it because of the position. Well, the person's a bishop, and this is what they said, so they're, you know, they're probably right. Paul says, if, if an angel even came and did that, you would need to know immediately that the angel is cursed. And so this is where we also, we have to be careful because oftentimes it's, it's because of the, the, the perceived position of the person or their prestige or whatever it is that, that they end up influencing people against the gospel. And so just to finish up with, with Stott's quote here, he says, so then as we hear the diverse views of men and women today, spoken, written, broadcast, telecast, televised, uh, I'll throw in podcast, you know, these other <laughs> means of communication that we have today. He said, we must subject each of them to these two rigorous tests. Is their view consistent with, number one, the free grace of God, and number two, with the plain teaching of the New Testament? See, this is why it's so vital that we know our Bibles, and we cannot say enough Read your Bible, study your Bible, know your Bible. Because as you know the scriptures, then when those voices come along and say, no, this, you know, this is really the gospel. Immediately you're like, no, that, that, no that's not the gospel. I know what the gospel is. It's, it's forever etched in my heart and mind through my meditation on the scriptures. But even if it's not yet there etched in your heart and mind, it's written on the page, and that's what you stand with. Now, I want you to notice two final things as we close. Notice Paul asks this question. Now in verse 10, he says, For do I, do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? Somehow they, they twisted everything around, and they, they tried to present Paul as a man-pleaser. Oh, Paul's only doing this because he's trying to please men. Well, who is he trying to please? Actually, Paul says, no, if I was a man pleaser, I would be agreeing with these guys. But the fact that I'm not agreeing with them is indicative of the fact that I'm not pleasing men. But the way Paul says it, it's interesting. He says, he says for do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men and listen to what he says, for if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. See, Paul was at one time living to please men. And he was pleasing men. And that brought him acceptance and prestige in his world. Paul was a very well-respected religious leader. And he was pleasing all the men around him. But he said, if I was still seeking to please men like I used to be, I could not be the servant of Christ. And for us, this is what I want to say. There are times in history when the, the, the division between faith and unbelief becomes more and more stark. And, and we're living in a time like that. We, we have moved into a time like that where today you have people that are rejecting the gospel. But like the false teachers of Paul's day, 
they're claiming that their version of the gospel is the real one. That's why it's so important that we're able to test, like we looked at a moment ago. But this is my point here, know this, that as we stand for the truth of the gospel, we will possibly be in the minority. And as a result of that, we will be found to not please men. And when you're not pleasing people, that can, that can be a little rough. You know, it's, it's not a pleasant thing, is it, to any of us to, to be uh, looked at as somebody who is just going against the flow. But you know, sometimes that's just what God calls us to do. And in the end, we wanna make sure that we're, we're pleasing God. Because never forget that God has the last word. God has the last word. You might get all of the applause of people here on earth if you switch your allegiance over. But remember, that's not the last word. God has the last word. There's only one gospel. And as you stand on it and for it, this is kind of what it comes down to. People will either love you or hate you. And, and sometimes... You know, there, there are periods and seasons, and I think we've been in a long season where there's just sort of an indifference. Like, I don't care. I don't, I don't care what you think about the gospel. That's fine. You think this. You know, it's not like the live and let live mentality. But, you know, we're shifting culturally away from the live and let live mentality. Have, have you noticed that? Uh, I mean, it's, uh, the lines are being drawn in the sand. It's like, no, if you don't agree with us, if you don't believe what we believe, we're going to hate you. That's what's happening now. So it is a very real possibility that as we stand on and for the gospel, people might hate us. So we'll, we'll either be loved or hated, but let's not forget that, that Jesus experienced all of that before us. But, but let me just say this in closing, the final word here. I want you to notice something back in the sixth verse. Paul, he says, I marvel. I am amazed. I'm astounded. It's like he's saying, I can't believe this. I marvel that you are turning away so soon, listen, from him who called you. And the, the word there, turning away, could be translated desert. I marvel that you are deserting, that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you. And you see, to turn away from the gospel of Christ is to desert it's to become a traitor. That's what it is. It is treason against the Lord. And this is what we have to remember. Ultimately, our allegiance is not merely to a doctrine or a truth, but to a person. You see, these, these doctrines that we hold dear, these truths that we cling to, they represent a person. But I want to make this distinction because when I see people that move away from the faith, I, I read an article a few years back, quite a few years ago now, but um, the article, it, you know, it was, could have been written today because more people are publicly doing this today than back when I read the article. But I remember the person saying, you know, I left evangelicalism for, you know, like a more liberal version of Christianity. 
And then they went on to tell their story about why they left evangelicalism. Now, you know, evangelicalism historically has been the understanding of the Christian faith that the Bible is God's word and the doctrines are true and, you know, all of that. So they were, they were basically saying in this article, I left that. And, you know, I remember reading it and I thought, well, I understand that. Because if I just had something that was a, a statement of faith, I might leave it too. But I have something more than that. I have a savior. I have a person who, who these truths are connected to. And Paul, I think, is subtly reminding them that you're not just departing from these truths. He says, you're deserting the one who called you. And this is what I want people to remember and to recognize because I see this happening today. And, and I actually have friends, people that I know who are taking sides on issues that essentially puts them in opposition to the word of God. And what I want them to think about is this. They're not just switching their doctrinal view. They're actually taking sides against Jesus Christ himself. That's what's happening. And so, again, our allegiance is not merely to a doctrine or a truth, but to a person, a person who endured rejection, humiliation, shame, and death for you. So when I look at people, you know, sort of taking a step away from the gospel and the things that the gospel represents, I think, have you forgotten that Jesus died for you? Are you really wanting to, to stand in that camp that opposes him? Because that's really what, in the end, if you deny his word, that that's what you're doing. You could give all the lip service you want to, oh, I love Jesus. But, you know, if you're denying his word, that lip service means nothing. So that, that's, that's what it comes down to. We're talking about a person. We're talking about our Savior. We're talking about the one who, who died for us, who suffered and died for us. And that's, Paul understood that. And that's why he said, I cannot believe it. I am amazed that you're moving away, that you're deserting so quickly him who called you to the grace. So... May we stand firm in the gospel of God's grace and may we stand firm in our allegiance to not merely doctrine, but to the Savior who gave us the doctrine. Now, let's join Pastor Brian and Cheryl in the studio as they share about this month's resource. So, Brian, we're offering a book from our good friend, Charlie Campbell. Yes, Charlie Campbell is the director of Always Be Ready, which is an apologetics ministry. And one we recommend a lot. Yeah, we recommend it a lot. And this is a one-minute answer to skeptics. Now, Charlie has done this book, and this is like a revised version 
answering 50 of the top objections and questions, kind of current things. You know, things change over time. There are different arguments and things. And what I like about this book is it's it's an updated current addressing a lot of the things that people are kind of throwing out there today as their objections to Christianity. And some of the topics that Charlie covers in this is why doesn't God just appear to us in a public setting and prove he exists? Or the New Testament authors, did they steal details of Jesus' life story from other ancient religions? This is what some skeptics say. Or that the God of the Old Testament commanded the Israelites to commit genocide? Or that the Bible condoned slavery? So these are real issues in our society today, and Charlie tells you a biblical answer for these things, and it's great. Yep. So great little one-minute answer to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell. That's our offer for this month. Again, this month's resource is a book titled One-Minute Answers to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell. You can order the book One-Minute Answers to Skeptics by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it, and then click on the Donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book One Minute Answers to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell to help equip you to defend the faith. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Galatians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.